And Father, let us uh, go about that in our daily lives, bringing glory to you in everything that we do. We thank you that you've qualified us to do that. It's nothing uh, that we've done that allows us to do that, but you have qualified us to participate in your gospel and bring glory to your name, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll go ahead and take a moment and uh, greet those around you. Uh, We just have a couple announcements that we would like to make you uh, aware of. First of all, uh, next week, um, a week from Sunday on Valentine's Day, that evening, um, the church has rented out Skate City. um, And this is an opportunity to come together as a church family and just have some um, some good fun and be together. Um, So mark that on your calendar a week from uh, tomorrow, Valentine's Day, Skate City. It's going to be a great time, a fellowship. It's free, free drinks, free pizza, um, free fun. So please come on out and, and join us for that. And now Justin Peterson is going to come share uh, some opportunities for the men of Maranatha. Hey, everybody. I want to say good morning so bad, but <laughs> I had to remind myself what time it was. Um, yeah, uh, men's ministry, we've got a lot going on. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I, whenever I ask somebody, you know, especially men, how they're doing, they say, good really busy, but good. And, you know, I just, I've noticed that, especially in the last couple of years. And I think that's a good thing to be busy, especially if we're striving for the gospel and we're, you know, sharing the love of Christ in our work and whatever we're doing. And, you know, God, he, um, he, he, he wants us to work hard. He uh, instituted that from the beginning, uh, but he also in- instituted rest. And, um, so I'm going to let Stacy play a video here in the background or whoever's back there got the uh, retreat video. I want to invite the men in here um, to, to rest with us March 5th and 6th um, and, and, and just enjoy fellowship with other men uh, and, and just a time to relax uh, and enjoy creation and enjoy that fellowship time in the Word. Um, I, I look forward to this every year. Uh, it's one of my highlights, and this time I'm looking forward to, to it even more because they let me pick who the speaker is going to be. So I know it's going to be great. Uh, his name is Dan Willis, a uh, longtime friend of my dad and mine, um, and he's got an incredible story. It's a, it's a tragic story that God just turned around um, for good. So uh, men's retreat, March 5th and 6th. Put it down on your calendar. Put it on your phone. Uh We've got sign-ups out there. If you haven't signed up yet, sign up tonight. Uh, just put it on your calendar. I know we're busy, but let's carve that out as just a time to get away and, and uh, just be with other men and, and uh, recharge. Uh, we've also got Men's Hangout. It's actually going to be tonight. We've, uh, Jake Herringer, he started that back up again. So uh, right after the service is over, uh, we'll just be getting together out there in the, in the fellowship hall. Um, We've also got a uh, men's Bible study um, starting tomorrow during second service. We're going to be meeting in the uh, in the uh, conference room, uh, and we're going through seven areas that men struggle with. So, uh, what does it mean to be a man in, in today's world? Uh, and really, what does the Bible say that uh, a man looks like in general? So, we'll be going through that together, uh, and also you can sign up for that out in the uh, entryway too. So. 
lots of ways to get involved um, and, and uh, fellowship with each other. So I'm really excited what the Lord's going to do through us and, and how he's going to just give us a, a drive to serve the Lord in, in every area of our lives. Thanks. Thank you, Justin. Uh, well, I don't know about you, but I love the Bible. Amen? And uh, sometimes it is hard to read the Bible and uh, do something about what we just read. And uh, we have the privilege, Pastor Cody's going to be starting a new series uh, tonight on the book of James, which is just a, a beautiful look at practical Christian living. If you want to know what it means to be all in for Christ, this is the book for you. So I invite Pastor Cody to come on up and share the word with us this evening. All right. Well, it is okay, Justin, to say good morning because we are being recorded right now. So many of you are viewing us right now this morning, and we want to say hello to all of you that are at home watching. Know that we are praying for you. And as a word of encouragement, I encourage you to let us know how we can pray for you. You can call the office or online. There's a place that you can sign up or just plug in some prayer requests. We have those there for you. It seems to be that Every once in a while, on Saturday, the Lord kind of does something in my heart about my message. Normally I get my sermon done, usually on Wednesday. That's kind of my goal, to get most of it done on Wednesday. Wednesday night, in fact, Pastor Aaron stops in the office on Wednesdays. Is it done yet? And I'm like, yeah, it is. Or, oh, it's almost done. My goal is to kind of get my message done Wednesday, so that way I can just let it kind of sit, simmer on Thursday, and then Friday just kind of tweak it a little bit more and just as I pray about it. But it seems that Saturdays are the days where I go, oh, that's right. So I wrote this down today. It's not in my message here. It's not in the sermon notes that will be online. But got a couple questions for you here. How many of you believe that there are enemies of the cross and that there are enemies that reject the gospel message of the cross? Raise your hand. Okay. Pretty much all of you are raising your hand. Yeah. I believe that there are enemies of the cross. There are those who reject the gospel message of the cross. Clearly, I see it all around us. Okay, here's my next question. How many of you in this room are enemies of the cross and are enemies of the message, the gospel message of the cross? Raise your hand. Okay, no one's raising your hand. Okay, that would make sense. We're in church here. But here it is. Take a look at this. Do you know that it is possible that you are an enemy of the Gospel if you only enjoy the privileges of the cross? Thank God I'm saved. Oh, I've said the sinner's prayer. Oh, I belong to the church. You know that you could be an enemy of the gospel if you're only enjoying the privilege of the cross while rejecting the demands of the cross. Do you hear what I'm saying there? How many of you would agree with that? And maybe you're going, <laughs> yeah. The book of James is so important to us as Christians. We in the Western world, we love this brain thinking capacity. We love theology. 
We love stuff like Christ in the Old Testament, mapping things out. We spent two years looking at promise fulfillment. All that, a lot of that is, makes sense and reasonable to us. And that, oh, that's wonderful. And we look at the privileges of the cross. But if we never live out the demands of what Jesus has called us to live like and be like and look like, we would be in serious trouble. We would. So as excited as I am to get into James, at the same time, I'm going to be like, woe is me. (laughs) This is going to be tough for me to look and go, do I line up with what we're going to talk about tonight? James is one of those books that basically preaches itself. The only thing that's comparable to it in practicality is the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is just like James. All practical. It touches most of the issues that we deal with in our life. So, three things I'm going to ask of you before we begin and as we begin our study of James. Number one is this. I encourage you, read often and study the book of James as we go through this because it will touch the core of your being. So I encourage you, and I haven't mapped out like I did with the series we did, two years, Christ in the Old Testament. I had that every Sunday mapped out. I haven't done that with this because some of them may be longer than I anticipated. I don't want to constrain myself to that. So this may be a year or a year and a half. I ask you to read James often. Number two, and this is something I wish I would have done hindsight with all of my major messages. Go get a notebook and label it James. Okay, And bring that notebook to church. I wish we could have done that. I wish I would have done that Christ in the Old Testament. I would have published, printed our own notebooks for Maranatha, Christ in the Old Testament. I pretty much knew what every Sunday was going to be already. And you could have had that on your bookshelf going, look at all this great study that we did in a book form. So I encourage you, go get a notebook. Go find a notebook that you can just label for James. So you can bring it along with your Bible every Sunday and write the notes down with that. So read it often. Get a notebook as we do this for James. And the third thing, no surprise here, I encourage you, memorize the book of James. It's only five chapters. We're going to take probably a year, a little bit more than that, to go through the book. In fact, you'll find out here, we're taking verse 1 two Sundays. I won't be like that every Sunday where we spread it out, but it will be easy to memorize within a year, the book of James. I encourage you, memorize the book of James with me. I started memorizing it, but I thought, whoa, whoa, I don't want to get a head start with everyone. I'll memorize it with you. So I'm going to, it's going to be my, my job is going to be to memorize it along with you. So those are my three requests. Read it often, get a notebook, and memorize this book. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be beautiful. So before we get into the book of James, let's pray. Lord, I thank You that in Scripture You show us the beauty of the privileges of the Gospel. Those who are called by Your name, those who respond to the beauty of the Gospel have many privileges. Our sins are forgiven. We have a peace that passes all understanding. We have this Spirit, Your Spirit dwelling within us. 
But Lord, may we not stop there. May we realize that not only does the Spirit dwell within us, but there should be the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So I pray, as we go through the book of James, that we would understand the Gospel in our minds, in our hearts, but it would show forth how we walk and what we do. May we truly not just be hearers of the Word, but also doers. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so grab your Bibles. In fact, i got two Bibles with me here tonight. That's great. Grab your Bible and go to James chapter 1. In fact, what I've done is I've grabbed my... This was my preaching Bible out of Ephesians. How do I know? Ephesians fell out right here. Remember, we took two and a half years on Ephesians. So maybe the same will happen as we go through James. Maybe get some special glue to glue that in there. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. So here's what we're going to do in the next two weeks. We're going to kind of do this little introduction, kind of like James has this introduction here. Here's what we're going to do in the next two weeks. This week we're going to talk about James as a book. We're going to look at the recipients and the purpose of this book. Today we're going to look at James as a book. Next Sunday, we're going to look at James as a person. James as a person. And then we're going to look at the writer and passion. I did my best to have recipients, purpose, writer, the R there, and then the P. Okay, some of you don't get that, but I like to do those kind of fun things. But anyways, we're going to look today at James as a book, and then next week, James as a person. In fact, what we're going to do in verse 1 is I'm going to look at the last part of verse 1 and then next week the first part of verse 1. James as a book. Where does it fit within the New Testament? So let me give you this little picture here that we use when we were working through the Old Testament. If you recall, in the Old Testament, we have 39 books and they're categorically in our Bibles in a specific kind of format and group though not the timeline, which we'll talk here in a moment. we got the first five, the Torah, and then you've got the historical stuff. The, the Law of Moses is historic. And then there's poetry. Then you've got the major prophets and minor prophets. Again, all the prophets are great and wonderful. They're major because of the length of writing. Isaiah is 66 chapters compared to some Obadiah or, or Micah. They're very short. The minor prophets there. Now we're in the New Testament. I just want to let you see kind of where James fits in the New Testament. We've got the first four there are the Gospels. And those are the life, the biography of Jesus Christ. That's the, the life of Christ. The Gospel according to, and Gospel is, another way to translate Gospel is good news. The Greek word there is euangelion. The good news according to Matthew. The Gospel according to John. The Gospel, the good news according to Mark and Luke. Then you've got history. And there's one historical book kind of that carries the timeline, which we'll see in our next slide here in a moment, and that's the book of Acts. Luke wrote Luke, and then part two of his writing was Acts. And then you've got a lot of Pauline epistles and letters, and he's got a lot of Pauline stuff there. And then you've got other ones, and then you end with the apocalyptic part there, Revelation prophecy. 
That's kind of where James fits in this. Other letters. you got Hebrews. So I usually, when I go through the Bible, I kind of look at, when you're trying to find James, you got a bunch of T. Timothy and Thessalonians is there. Then you got Hebrews, and then popular names to us today. You've got James, Peter, and John. Those are popular. So if you're new to the New Testament, trying to figure it out, that's kind of where we are landing there in this timeline. Let's, let's take a look at the timeline. Here's the example of what we used when we went through Christ in the Old Testament. Remember, in the Old Testament, there are only really 11 books of the Old Testament that carry the storyline, the timeline of the Old Testament. Whereas the other books, like the prophets here, or some of the other ones, um, Psalms and Proverbs, some of the prophetic stuff and all that, that fits within that timeline. If you recall, this is kind of where that those books, I kind of made that chart. Now here's a chart I made for the New Testament. Take a look at this chart here. Here is where the letter shows kind of the timeline up to the book of Acts. Next week I'll show a little bit longer kind of mapping out the dates of Acts here. So here is James, where James fit. So I've got there the first four books. Those are the life of Jesus, the biography of Christ there. And then you've got Acts. And what I've done is I've kind of in this chart kind of mapped out kind of the major periods. It could be broken down especially there at 21 through 28 you can break down where you know Paul goes to trial he gets put in prison you know that can be broken down more but I just kind of broke it down in these kind of simple formats for you and I put some years there so you can kind of see that which we'll talk a little bit here in a bit where acts 1 through 7 is 2 years and then you've got 8 through 12 is 14 years and then 13 through 28 is another 14 year chunk where does James fit within that right after chapter 7, we'll get to this in a bit here, chapter 8, 8 there following up to 15, that's where James comes into play in the timeline. Next week I'll kind of map it out more just with specific times and all the books of the New Testament where they fit. In fact, if you look at the time of when they were written, is very different. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were not written there. In fact, they were written after the book of Acts. We'll look at that next week. So this is kind of just to help you. James as a book, where does it fit in the timeline up through the book of Acts? And that's kind of where James is as a book. Ancient letters, and most in the New Testament as we see, have this kind of normal opening. Take a look again at James 1 verse 1. With a simple greeting, here it shows up at the end, the author usually identifies himself Romans, Paul, and a slave of Christ Jesus. That's how he begins in Romans 1.1. Here, James. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He identifies himself and then kind of a greeting of who this is to. In fact, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, you'll see that it's not just written to a specific person or a group, but a bunch of people that's kind of like this book here. Today what we're going to do is look at the recipients of this and the purpose. So if you look at James 1.1, we're going to look at the latter part of that section here. The recipients. Here we go. To the twelve tribes. To the twelve tribes. Now we just spent two years Christ in the Old Testament. And we have truly seen that in many ways, Christianity has so many connections to the Old Testament. So many connections, which would be Jewish connections. The chosen people in the Old Testament were Jews. 
the message first came to the Jewish people. The home that Jesus was raised in was Jewish. So there's many connections that Christianity has with the Jewish culture and understanding. The disciples were Jews. And Jesus chose 12 disciples to signify the 12 tribes and the church as the new Israel. Which we'll talk about that as we get into James here. The first Christians met in the temple and in synagogues. Many were Jews who were new at seeking and finding the Messiah. They saw and have been studying the Old Testament. All the road signs, all the shadows, all the signs pointing to the schoolmaster pointing to Jesus. And now Jesus has come, died, rose, ascended. And now many are coming to understand and make these connections. James refers to many Old Testament concepts. Like this, the twelve tribes. He'll mention synagogue. He'll mention and use Jewish reasoning, which we'll look at as we look in the book of James. He'll talk about reflecting on the Torah, reflecting on the Word of God. It's a very important part of the book of James. So the twelve tribes here make sense because Christianity has many Jewish connections here. Although his audience is primary Jewish Christians, again, in the beginning, it was first the Jews that understood, that made that connection. And then, as you go through the book of Acts, chapters 2 through 7, you realize now Gentiles are coming into this also. It's not just for the Jews only, but also Gentile Christians. Also because those who confess Jesus Christ as Savior are members of God's people and are members of, you could say, Israel, which Romans 11 talks about. In other books, Galatians mentions that a little bit too. And we'll talk about that as we look in the book of James. It is a church living as the new Israel. They are the recipients. They're the ones who are rejected by many opponents. And thus, they are scattered. It says to the twelve tribes, take a look at that, scattered among the nations. As found in the book of Acts, Jerusalem was where Jesus ascended. And the Holy Spirit filled the believers in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the main place. Jerusalem was the birthplace of the church. And major church growth and major time of people responding to the Gospel happens in Jerusalem. So take a moment and go to Acts chapter 5. Go to Acts chapter 5. In fact, we're going to stay in Acts just a little bit here. Make sure that part of my Bible didn't fall out yet. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. says this, Day after day, in the temple courts, Acts chapter 5, verse 42. In the temple courts and from the house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is, remember Christ is Messiah, the Anointed One. So what's happening here in Jerusalem 
in Acts chapter 5, all that's going on, day after day, they met in the temple court, they met together, and they begin proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. So much is happening in the first seven chapters of Acts. Then, just as Jesus said would happen, the faith of Christianity would move beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. In fact, that's what He says. You receive power. And then the greatness of the message of the Gospel will start in Jerusalem and it will expand beyond that. So now take a look at Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 1. If you recall, we talked about this. We spent uh, four Sundays in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And I talked about in Acts chapter 8, things changed for them. Let's take a look here. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Then look at this. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So here, just as Jesus said, it's going to start in Jerusalem and then it will spread. So Acts chapter 8 is a big turning point for the church. Scattered throughout. Verse 2, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the Word wherever they went. Back to James 1.1. To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Jesus knew that persecution was going to come. And persecution was for the benefit of the church. So the church wouldn't just be stuck in Jerusalem. Now, it began to spread out. They scattered around. Acts 11.19 talks about that. They were scattered throughout the nations. The word here is dysphoria, which means displacement, which means scattering. Here's a term that is speaking of the Jews living outside of Palestine, outside of their normal walls that they grew up in. Now God used persecution to get them outside of the walls of their kind of church to then spread the message. You notice in Acts chapter 8, twice it talked about they preached the good news. Just like we saw in the Old Testament, people were scattered and dispersed. Now the church was being scattered and dispersed. And oppression was coming. But here's an important line I wrote down. They were scattered to preach and live the truth of Christ. To proclaim the Gospel accurately and truthfully so that people may be saved. That's the beauty of this little section here. When I read this, I go, wow. God used persecution to get them out of what they were normally living in so they could then spread the message of Jesus Christ so others may come to know Him. The language of being dispersed. The language of being scattered and exiled reminds us today that we 
are just travelers here. We are like aliens. We are ones who are on this journey just presently because someday we are going home. Hebrews 11, 1 Peter 1 talks about that. We are exiles wandering on the earth waiting for Christ to return. So who are the recipients of James? A lot of Jewish people. Because in the beginning, if you saw where James was in the book of Acts there, it's between chapter 8 and up to verse chapter 15. Chapter 8, 15. And there's a lot of Jewish people, but also Gentiles are coming in. And then they're being scattered so they can proclaim the good news of Jesus. We also must be on mission proclaiming the good news of Jesus. So that's the recipients. Let me now talk about the purpose here. With many people coming to faith, a lot of people are coming to Christ. In fact, when you read in the book of Acts, the first couple of chapters there, you're reading, you're just like, this is like a Billy Graham crusade. Just hundreds, thousands are coming to Christ. James wants to give spiritual instruction for the new converts. Focusing on the everyday implications of Christianity. This is how you do Christianity. And we're going to find out this is a very practical book, like I mentioned before. It's not like Romans chapter 1 through 11, which is very doctrine. This is the understanding of the man, of mankind and their sinful nature. We need a Savior. Then chapter 3 comes. Here is Jesus Christ. He is the one who is our sacrifice of atonement. And then chapter 4, he just logically goes through, ah, what about Abraham? How is he saved? It's through faith. And he just goes on. That's how Paul writes. James addresses ethical and spiritual problems of the early church and helps them grow into spiritual maturity. This is how Christianity is lived out. Oh, it's very theological. But it's more practical theology as we will see here. This is supremely an ethical work. So the primary theme is living out your faith. Being a doer of the Word, not just a hearer of the Word. So how does he do this in the letter? How does he spell this out? So again, it's not like Galatians. Galatians kind of has one or possibly two main themes in the whole book. You'll read through Galatians and, and you realize that he's writing saying, listen, Jewish people, you guys have turned to Christ. It's amazing. But some of you are saying to the Gentiles coming to Jesus, oh, now that you turn to Jesus, you must follow Jewish custom. And Paul's like, uh-uh-uh-uh. You can never have Jesus plus another thing. It's Jesus, period, right? Does that make sense? So Galatians is written kind of with one major theme like that. What does James do? James doesn't do it like that. He gives wisdom in simple sections and statements. In fact, what I've done is I've went through this a couple times, just working on it. I went through James and I found 20 different kind of little themes, little pockets that he's got. So take a look at this picture. Here's all the different things he's got. Like 20 different themes or... Yeah, so look at these. Trials. Hearing and doing. Genuine faith. Divided heart. Wisdom. Humility. Temptation. Love. Favoritism. There's so much here in the book of James. It's, it's just full of so much stuff. 
True and false wisdom. Submission. Arrogant planning. Misusing wealth. And what James does is he doesn't just kind of do one main thing. He's got 20 different little themes in here spread throughout. So what I've done is take a look at the next picture. I think it's in here. So here's kind of how we're going to do the book of James. I'm a, how many grew up in the 80s? We're alive in the 80s. When I was a kid in the 80s, I got, oh, it was great. I got my first car and I had a cassette tape player in there. And my friend Will and I, we always would make mixtapes to each other. Anybody ever do that before? Okay, some of you, okay, only like, raise your hand if you ever did that, made a mixtape. Okay, okay, more than four, good, okay. What we would do, Will and I, we would always like, these are my favorite songs. Sometimes it's on the radio, you know, you miss the first part, I record it, and be like, oh, here's all these songs, and we'd send it to each other. Here's my favorite songs, and he went to the army, and I sent him mixtapes all the time. So James is kind of like a tape cassette. Some of you young kids don't even know what we're talking about. It's contained data of music. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Okay. So on James's mixtape called Practical Christianity, we're going to go through 20 different songs, 20 different themes. Some of these songs or these themes will take a couple Sundays on because there's a lot of stuff we want to learn. So each Sunday we're going to go through this mixtape of a variety of themes and songs. And the first one, as you saw there, is kind of this practical aspect of it. As I stated, this is a very practical book. A how to do. Our faith is important. But our faith must impact our behavior. Right? You can, again, like I said in the beginning, you can have all the privileges of the cross, but if you don't obey and follow the demands of the cross, you are an enemy of the Gospel message. We've spent two years talking about what we believe and why we believe it in the beauty of seeing Jesus Christ in the Old Testament and in the New. But we cannot stop there. We will also take time to incorporate how it affects our lives. We want to put truth into action and through Christ in the Old Testament, we did that often. I'd have application for it. But we must put it into action. So take a look at this little chart I have here. The cross of Jesus impacts the two areas of our lives. The inward and the outward. Okay? The inward. Our Christian faith. We come alive. We are born again by the Spirit of God. We respond to the beauty of the Gospel. But it's not just the inward part. It must impact the outward and how you live your daily life. And that's the book of James. Inward. Doctrine. What do we believe? Again, Christ in the Old Testament, some of those messages are just like so rich of just beautiful doctrine of Christianity. Doctrine is important. Very important. But doctrine must lead to devotion and delight. Is that what I have written down there? I think that's what, yeah. Devotion and delight. If you just have all this head knowledge about Christ, it never just oozes down to your heart and your passion about Christ, you have missed out on the beauty of the Gospel. 
doctrine naturally leads to the beauty of devotion to God and delight. Or inward. Orthodoxy, right belief, leads to orthopraxy, correct and right living. Inward, what we are to think, must lead to how we are to act. You cannot separate these two areas. They go hand in hand. They're very important to bring together and we bring doctrine along with devotion. So true thinking of the Bible, true study of the Bible, leads to, instructs our lives and compels the heart to worship and right living. Great example. What's my favorite book in the Bible? Romans. So I mentioned Romans chapter 1 through 11 is just, Paul does just an amazing, articulate way of explaining the beauty of the gospel message. But Romans doesn't end with chapter 11. Chapter 12 and following is very practical. In fact, the verbs in 1 through 11 are all indicating truth statements. And then 12 and following, they're all imperatives. Commands, you must live this way. You must love and do good. Doctrine and devotion. So what do we do with this data that we've learned? How many have been a part of a church more than five years? Raise your hand. How many more than ten years? Twenty years? Thirty years? Aaron's like, I'm not that old yet. Okay. <laughs> what do you do with all that you have learned? What do you do with all the truth statements you've been just learning? Or more specifically, how do we live out the Gospel as first importance? Let me end with two statements here. First, we must respond to the Gospel. It changes you. Let it change you. By faith, repent, and trust completely in the Lord Jesus Christ, the great Savior of your soul. We must respond to the beauty of Jesus Christ. And most of us understand that. But here's sometimes where there's a breakdown. Second, we must apply the Gospel. How do we apply all this truth? Live out the Gospel. Live out a Gospel-centered lives. Here it is. When we are changed by the Gospel, that change must be evident in your life. It's a bold statement. But Jesus was big on that. Oh, if you say, follow Me, great, but don't turn back. Don't put your hand to the plow. Oh, don't say, oh, i got to take time and do this. Is very strong on this. When we are changed by the Gospel, that change, and it will be, must be evident in our lives. So here's my last chart. I know it's kind of lengthy here, but I like to write out some of these things here. Here's the transformation. His life and His death impacts, transforms, affects our life. I was once dead Now I'm alive. For me to live is Christ. Amen? Or this, His teaching. That, for us, shapes 
our way of life. His teaching, in fact, James, you will see this, James points to the Sermon on the Mount a few times. He looks at the teachings of Jesus. The teachings of Christ must shape the way we love one another. The way you love the person you can't stand. Your enemies. His self-understanding. That transforms our self-awareness and our position in Him. I am in Christ. Nothing I can do in performance, nothing I can do to build up my kingdom makes me more acceptable to God. It's only through Christ. And I'm in Christ. Again, our study in Ephesians was beautiful. His example of sacrifice is our example of service. There should never be Christians who are like this, hands in the pocket. There should be Christians like this, hands folded, and then you can only pray so long until you need to do something about it. Hands open, caring, doing something for others. His call for justice should shape the way our commitment and concern and care for others around us. Think of a few weeks ago when we talked about the dignity and sanctity of life. The elderly, the disabled, His model of relationships should be our method of discipleship. His way of spirituality is our model for worship. And lastly, His resurrection return is our hope. Amen? That is our hope. The Gospel message begins to change and transform all aspects of our lives as we follow Jesus and become more like Him. Let me close by going to Romans chapter what? 8. Romans chapter 8. Take your Bibles. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Again, Paul likes to use a lot of big, large theological words which we should never be afraid of. I just love this. Romans 8, verse 29, For God, for those God foreknew, He also predestined. So you got this foreknowledge, predestination, all these big words, but look at this. What's the purpose of those big words? For those God foreknew, He also predestined. To be, here's the reason, to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. So look at me. Your life should be a reflection inwardly of the beauty of the salvation of Jesus Christ. And outwardly, your life should be a reflection, should be a conforming to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Looking like Him. So this is my prayer in our study in James. It's going to be great. My prayer is that the study of James will shape you, will encourage you, will convict you to be more like Christ. And it will be wonderful. So let's pray as we close. Lord, I thank You for this great book of James. And Lord, as we read just even this 
second part of the first verse here to the many that are scattered around. Lord, You knew, Jesus, when You told the disciples that this message would not just stay in Jerusalem, but would go to the ends of the world. Lord, You knew that there would be believers in You living in Rice Lake worshiping You. And I pray, Lord, as we study this book of James, that we would be inspired. That we would hear each little of these 20 sections, kind of like that mixtape, we would hear each song, each part, and just go, that's what I need to change in my life as an act of worship and service to You so that others would hear the beauty of Jesus Christ. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our last few songs?